0: You have reached the voicemail box of MTV Speed Dial with Ira Madison III and Doreen St. Felix. This week we talk about Chance the Rapper's new project coloring book, K and Disco, and the upcoming reboot of The Roots. This is Doreen. Leave a message. At the tone, please record your voice message. When you are finished recording, you may hang up or press pound for more options.
1: I got that
0: Chance the Rapper retweet on Twitter. I need you to call me back. Ira, what's up? I heard you got the, I got your message and you got the ultralight retweet.
1: I did. My quote from our Chance the Rapper roundtable that we did was um, in MTV News's tweet. And so, you know, I got that notification when he retweeted it.
0: So at this point, Chance's new, I guess we have to call it a project or a mixtape because it's not necessarily a proper album. It's been out for a week and it's called Coloring Book. And I think the predominant narrative about it is just like, wow, this kid is really channeling his version of black gospel, of black church on this project.
1: I think it's competing for the best as far as rap music that we've heard this year. It's most likely, you know, going to be compared to the life of Pablo just because he and Kanye are sort of talking within the same themes. You know, it's a lot mm-hmm. about the church, it's a lot about forgiveness, it's a lot about prayer. But I feel like Kanye is a bit sort of like the prodigal son before he returns home you know like he still doesn't know if it's safe to go home his music always sounds you know more angry more confused you know not quite ready to step into that light you know it's like he doesn't think that he deserves any sort of salvation um there's still a lot of pain in Kanye's art but i feel like mm-hmm. chances it's great that he was on ultra light beam because that's like one of the happiest songs on the life of pavlo and this entire album feels, like, joyful.
0: On Ultra Light Beam, Chance references this project that will have, you know, it comes out, like, four or five months after the album was out. And it's, like, Chance 3. And I think part of the reason why people are always comparing Kanye is Chance is obviously because they're both from Chicago. Mm-hmm. And whenever a project like this comes out, like, Views is a really good analogy in the sense of, People from the city of Toronto feel like intense ownership over Drake, intense ownership of the way he represents his city. And Chance couldn't be more of an engaged ambassador when it comes to the city of Chicago. Absolutely.
1: it reminded- Like I was talking
0: to Jessica, Jessica Hopper, who is – our director uh, editorial director of music at MTV and she lives in Chicago she works out of Chicago and she was just talking about how like there were billboards for this album everywhere and then you know you do a little bit more research and you find out that Chance does a lot of community engagement specifically with black kids in the area and it's really fascinating to see a black rapper in particular big up his city so big, and then have the rest of the country like want to be from Chicago. You know, like everybody right now is trying to be like, "Oh yeah, like I get that reference," even though you totally don't because you're not from the city.
1: Right. I feel sort of that weird connection to it, you know, because I'm not from Chicago. I'm from Milwaukee, which is like I didn't you know, know
0: you're from Milwaukee. Yeah,
1: like an hour and a half drive to Chicago with no traffic, uh-huh. but. I went to college in Chicago, you know? So like I spent four years living in Chicago. Mm -hmm. You know, Chicago is a big part of my DNA. It's sort of how I felt like I matured. Chicago helped me mature, the city did, because being in Milwaukee, I went to an all boys private Catholic high school, you know, it was like predominantly white. Uh, And it wasn't until I moved to Chicago, So I was in an educational setting with other black students who were, you know, trying to achieve the same goals as me in life um, and had the same sort of artistic influences as me. I had the same cultural references. It's beautiful to be in Chicago with other black people basking in. Everything that the city has to offer. Listening to this album, I immediately was reminded of those summers, you know, that we used to spend um, riding the red line, being in Grant Park. You know, I thought about how happy I was being in Chicago when Obama was elected. I was in the park there when, you know, he did his acceptance speech. And there was so much joy that night. From like everyone in the city of Chicago. I haven't felt mm-hmm. that much joy, you know, for Chicago and from Chicago since that moment. Um, and I feel like it's amazing that an album can ac- accomplish that.
0: Yeah, like he's channeling that same, at this point, eight year old joy. Mm-hmm. You know, we actually had really parallel teenage upbringings. I also, I went to an, not an all boys school but I went to an
1: all-girls I'm like, girls what school. you... <laughs> I'm like, what
0: kind I of... I snuck into what, the
1: all-girls What kind school. of Amanda Bynes, um, <laughs> <laughs> she's the man high school situation? god! Like can
0: you Photoshop me on Amanda Bynes's white life body after we hang up? Yes. But I went to an all-girls school, and I was really thinking about those four years. I mean, even besides that elementary school, I also went to Catholic school, When I was listening to the album, and I do have to admit, like, there are certain... His strain of connectivity with God, obviously, that has to do with him having just had his daughter last year and finding love with his longtime girlfriend. All of that is almost, like, too intense for me at times. You know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I still feel like... I love this album and it's joyous, but I feel like I connect to Kanye's a bit more just because, like, when it comes to church shit, like I'm a heathen, so uh, <laughs> you're not gonna catch I'm me right in the pews with <laughs> you.
0: Like, I would be his ex who turns into a pillar of salt. Like, my f- I'm doubting all the time. Like, my faith is not as strong as this kid's. It's really admirable, but I do think, like, especially in the face of the features on the album, you know, like we can talk about Lil Yachty as someone I saw someone on Twitter call him Do we Lil- have to talk about Yes, do We do. have to talk about Lil We have to talk about him because Danny Cow on Twitter said that he was actually Lil Protective style and when I tell you like I literally <laughs> fell out of my chair the way she read his Sealy braids oh my god it was a work of art. It was as good as coloring book. Um Wow. <laughs> no, I mean I just I really am interested in Chance's project on his own, but then also the fact that he's bringing in these artists who are not gospel rappers. They're not interested in necessarily invoking black church and black choirs in the way that he is with Yachty, with Future. Um, No, he's
1: sort of like an apostle, you know, like, you know, he's reaching across the aisle at these Jezebel's and Mary Magdalene's and being like, you can be on my album talking about Percocet Lil Wayne.
0: (laughs) It creates a funny little, you know, it's a little bit uncanny because you're listening to what is a gospel track. The horn's coming in. It's all like big, maximized. And then, you know, Future's talking about how we got really high and then we had a baby. And... I think that's actually ends up maybe even unintentionally creating a really true picture of what I consider to be my relationship with the Black Church. It's not all hunky dory. The Black Church is a really complicated. It has a really complicated legacy. Yeah, so and I,
1: I th- wasn't even. I was. Uh, I was raised in the Black Church, obviously, but since then, I'm not particularly. Religious, but I do still feel like this great sense of spirit when I listen to this album. When I listen to Black music, like you said, it's a tradition and it's rooted in us. And I feel like whether or not you actually go to church, Black spirituality was sort of birthed as a way to get through, you know, like slavery when um, we were imprisoned in the South and. Um, That tradition, we're not fully divorced from that. You know, it's still a part of our DNA. You know, you can be black and an atheist, but you still have, you know, older family members who follow those traditions, you know? So,
0: yeah, it's basically the black church as an aesthetic, as mm -hmm. opposed to black church as, you know, like actually practicing. Um, exactly what is also extremely christian spirituality we also have to note here not all black people are christian even though you know that's the way it's often talked about that's not true a lot of black people who are religious follow other religions
1: speaking of that like black church aesthetic i know you have not yet seen the formation tour and i cannot oh wait oh my god you until saw you it, see last it. Weekend. i did i did and there's a moment where beyonce does the song freedom which speaking of gospel music is basically a gospel song freedom freedom i can't lose freedom cut me loose she does that barefoot in a pool of water and i felt like the entire audience got baptized that night
0: Let's put, you know what? Let's think of Beyonce and Chance together because, you know, I was like, all right, this kid, he's a gospel rapper. And then, like you said, Beyonce's doing a gospel song on on her her album about infidelity and the way black women are cheated in this country. And I'm really interested in the possibility of more black artists kind of doing the thing that everybody did in the 60s and 70s. Back then, you had to put out a gospel album. didn't matter, like, how much of a heathen you were. You were cheating on your wife, but you still had to put out that album because it was just like a tradition. It was it was sort of like the Christmas special of being a black musician back then. And obviously the tradition of black gospel has always, it's endured since then, it's endured in rapping and R&B and soul and all those genres, but the idea of putting out entire tracks that feature choirs, that feature this particular like preacherly gospel cadence, it's, I think there's a resurgence happening in 2016.
1: Yeah, and I feel like I'm glad that the resurgence is happening in black music because you know what? I was really sick of for a good moment in the 2000s whenever a white singer would do like an R and B song and they would get the black grounds Take us there. The- <laughs> The They're black like We get <laughs> some black grounds in this song. Let me have black people singing behind me uh, so they can take you to church and make you so think, they get I'm taking T-men. you to church. Um, I feel like that <laughs> is Justin Timberlake's entire aesthetic, but also you remember when Nick Jonas literally did that. <laughs> He had that video <laughs> for Jealous and he literally had a black congregation behind him singing his damn like diddy doo-wop about um, romantic love with whoever it is he's dating at the moment.
0: Oh my God, I'm so happy you brought that up because i have it's always been really hard for me to articulate, you know, because people just take the choir for granted. Like, of course, these women are going to come and put on their robes and hit these notes for these, you know, mediocre white vocalists, but... I really do appreciate that chance specifically with his use of the Chicago Children's Choir. You know, he railed against that. He was like, "Not nah, like, I'm gonna bring you guys on to do your thing and I'm gonna honor that on three different tracks, in fact.
1: As far as talking about people who are like really doing their thing in music, to switch gears a bit, you just wrote a review of K Tranada's new album. And yes, I feel I love like that album. I feel like there's so much of that going on in his album too. You know, it had it has that like disco Michael Jackson um off the wall kind of vibe, but it also, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of spirituality in it.
0: Yeah, totally. So K Trinata is he's actually also twenty three. What is up with these like twenty three year old Vunderkins. They got me you know, feeling I'm old. old. I'm 24, and I'm like, fuck.
1: I'm about to hit 30, and I'm like, what have I done with my life?
0: Oh, you're ancient. Mm, sorry <laughs> about that. Let me know what you want me to read at your funeral, Ira. Um,
1: <laughs> Rita Ora songs.
0: <laughs> Rita Ora needs to collaborate with the choir. Maybe that'll get her to where she needs to be. But anyway, I digress. So, Kate Trinata is this... Incredible producer, he was born in Haiti. Also, side note, today is Haitian Flag Day. Big up to ending white supremacy and to my peoples. (laughs) Um, He moved to Canada when he was five or six years old and basically since he was 13 has been making beats and doing remixes primarily via SoundCloud and now is Um, you know a producer in his own right and so he came out with this album a couple of weeks ago called 99.9% and like you said it is a disco album it's also a jazz album and I'm really interested in what he's doing both like being at the forefront of like technology and producing like he is putting out the more interesting beats that you see Black musicians using right now, but then also like going back to the past in a way that's not nostalgic. You know, like he has this incredible sample of a Brazilian disco track called "Light Spots," and rather than just like put like heavy bass on it in the way that everybody does when they're trying to make, you know, the old new again, like he actually interacts with it. And there's also a really cool video accompanying it with him and a little bit and and a little robot, and they're like dancing together through the city of. Los Angeles I'm so interested in how he collaborated with Chance on this album which is primarily it's like a gospel album for the first few tracks and then All Night pops up which he produced mm-hmm. and I thought that that was actually where the album got a little bit more complicated and interesting um, because it was like that was a track who that, you know, it invoked like the roller skate halls. And it also talked about childhood and Chicago youth in a way that wasn't so, you know, heavily freighted with ideas of God.
1: I feel like he's sort of an evolution of Pharrell. I know that he wants to be an artist as well. um, And I hope that he's able to have a balance between being a producer and an artist because I would really love for him to start making music for you know other artists I read the piece on him in fader um which he actually comes out in um mm-hmm. you know he announces he's gay in the fader profile and he talks about you know coming out to his family uh, and how much that was a struggle for him and there was just also so much sadness in him talking about the fact that like you know he's never even, you know, been with a guy before because, you know, most of his friends are straight and he's uncomfortable, you know, going to like a gay club with only his straight friends because he doesn't really Mm -hmm. have any gay friends yet. You know, I feel like I sense all of that in his music. And the album actually was produced before he came out in the Fader profile. So it's interesting hearing him sing about women in the songs. When you know now, you know, the struggle that he's been going through.
0: Thinking about him going through that struggle while also making disco tracks, it completely changes the way you listen to the music. It's like, you know, disco was one of the most powerful emanations of black and POC people you know, being like, fuck white supremacy, fuck what you think I'm supposed to do with my sexuality, and actually let me embrace pleasure, let me embrace sex, let me embrace queerness, all these things. And knowing that he is in dialogue with the way, you know, musical genres, they, they aren't just about beats and pacing, they're also about the people who make that and the stories behind it. It makes me really excited, and I think he can only go up, It's 99.9% is a great name for that album because like there's this little margin of space where K can just get better and better over the years and, you know, hit that 100%. So I'm excited for him. And he's probably my cousin because he's Haitian. You know, (laughs) there's only 8 million of us, but boy, do we like to love on each other. So
1: You know, we always talk about the black community and how, you know, we embrace gay people but I feel like what you talked about with disco music and you know embracing sexuality and queerness, I mean there's a reason why black disco divas were like gay icons in the 70s. you know, We've been exploring queerness and in our music since Diana Ross, since Prince, um, since Donna Summer. you know also
0: since the Black church, like if we're gonna keep it a 100- hundred, I have very vivid memories of being so enamored with the choir directors um, in our community who are almost always gay men. I mean, obviously they were policed because that is a very heterosexual space, but they were also allowed such creativity, such artistry. And I think it's important to sort of like not fall into Given ideas about, yeah, like black people are more homophobic than white people and all that stuff, because it's not actually true. We have embraced queerness in our own way, and it might not look like Advocate Magazine, but it is, you know, it has always happened. Well, I mean, how
1: black could it cases. look like Advocate Magazine? Because, because that usually they never has white people on, people on the, the cover. On the cover. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that they are remaking Roots and it is starring um, Iggy Azalea's favorite Negro, T.I.?
0: Texas Instruments (laughs) will be in the remake of Roots. It's almost the 40 year anniversary of the original airing of Roots. But you know that LeVar Burton, like, he's all about this. Like, he's executive producing it. So that gives me a little hope. Like, maybe it's not just going to be T.I. using, like, you know, his having his Rogers thesaurus open, making monologues the entire time.
1: T.I. loves his goddamn thesaurus. I'm like... He loves you, a syllable. I he will fe-
0: give you a syllable on top of a syllable on top of a syllable. That's
1: I feel him. like T.I. actually writes his raps and then, like, goes and looks in the thesaurus to replace words so that he can have bigger... Um, Words in his (laughs) rap.
0: But that makes him like every writer on the
1: internet, though, if we're just
0: going to be honest here.
1: That's true.
0: (laughs) Including me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) T.I. is Um, uh, the epitome of a freelance writer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But what's also exciting about it, besides his impending performance, is that Questlove is actually the director of the music. So maybe... Yeah, I have I have really big, uh, high hopes for it. Okay. Forest Whitaker is gonna be in it, Anika Nani Rose. So they got the right cast. It's just a question of do we need a Roots remake? I thought the original was pretty good. Most people seem to agree.
1: I feel like we just saw 12 Years a Slave and we have Nate Parker's movie coming out too about the Nat Turner Rebellion, so. I'm so
0: excited for that.
1: I'm like, do we need Roots? I don't think we do.
0: I mean, we'll see. We need to. We should watch it together. We should play like a roots drinking game.
1: (laughs) Every Every time time somebody gets gets slashed. (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) Every time somebody gets whipped, take a drink.
0: Oh god, we're going to hell. We don't go to church, and we're making fun of
1: roots. I feel like I need to go and pray now, um, so I will have to talk to you later.
0: All right. Bye, boo. Bye. If you would like to be featured on Speed Dial, leave us a voicemail at our hotline number, 424-354-9335.
1: This episode of Speed Dial was produced by Michael Kitano and Mukta Mohan for the MTV Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at MTV News and MTV Podcasts. You can subscribe to this and other MTV podcasts on iTunes.